Hi, you're listening to Becoming Whole podcast with Claire Bradshaw, where I explore with my guests what it means to lean into living a life of wholeness and connectedness, a life where all parts of ourselves, our body, mind and spirit come into alignment, where we're truly living into our own personal values. So if you're a seeker, a feeler or someone wanting more from your precious life, then tune in every fortnight and let's get inspired together. Hello and welcome to another episode of Becoming Whole podcast. Today I'm here with Andrew Morneas, who's been teaching yoga for the last 20 years. He's come from a diverse yoga background and teaches a combination of Hatha, Bhakti and Tantra yoga. He's a creative, joyful and heart-centered teacher and his classes are always rich in tantric philosophy and storytelling. He's also a transpersonal counsellor specialising in groups and most recently he's combined four of his loves, mythology, storytelling, yoga and dance into a new and exciting concept called Dance of the Deities. Now I first met Andrew around nine months ago at one of his philosophy nights in Melbourne where he explores the stories of the gods and the goddesses and cleverly makes them relevant to today's challenges. Andrew has this innate ability to ask powerful questions and hold the space in a truly loving way for his students to unravel what's truly going on for them. Hi Andrew, how are you? Thanks so much for coming today. It's my absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, beautiful. So tell me, um, Andrew, let's go back in time a little bit. So Mm -hmm. what really led you to where you are today? Well, um, the... My introduction into yoga was really not what uh, most people's entry point into yoga is, which is usually asana practice. Mine really came uh, through injury and uh, I had damaged my knee and I was, um, I was quite ill at the time. This is going back uh, over 20 years ago. And I um, was an optometrist previously. That was my first incarnation. Wow. Uh, my first career. I actually wanted to be a dancer, but my mother told me that it was for girls. And uh, so um, I was forced to go to uni and I actually really loved the study. But by the time I graduated and I got my um, degree in optometry and went out into work, it became pretty mind numbing saying the same thing over and over again, which is better, red or green, which is better, one or two. <laughs> so um, I got uh, really sick uh, in my early 20s and I, um, I thought I was going to die actually and, and I thought, well, if I'm going to die, I'm going to go and see the world. And so I packed up everything and uh, sold the practice and um, the car, the house, everything and uh, went around the world. Wow. And um really wanted to dance and to fulfill my dream that my mother, bless her soul, um, had uh, told me that I couldn't do. And I uh, forged a really, really successful dance and choreographic career, um, toured 19 countries in about three years, and it was a quite an extraordinary experience. Mm-hmm. And then at the peak of my career, you know, just when you think, you know, you're living the dream, of course, my everything fell apart. My knee blew out and uh, my visa ran out in London. And I had to return to Australia and I (laughs) I had to move in with my mother. (laughs) And uh, then I got uh, really, I got even sicker and she looked after me and nursed me during those years. And um, that really, that moment of nearly crossing over was quite pivotal because when you face death, I mean, really it wakes you up. And that led me down a spiritual path and... uh, I actually turned to yoga to rehabilitate my knee and um, pretty much bawled my eyes out the Mm. first class that I went into Mm. 
And uh, fortunately, I had a really great teacher who said, that's wonderful, <laughs> and you're healing, and, and allowed me to um, really... Um, she normalised the emotional release mm-hmm. that I was getting. Um, and I'd meditated for a teacher, and I was introduced to a tantric teacher who I had a three-year um, one-on-one relationship with in terms of teaching, and I learned some really incredible lessons mm-hmm. through my um, tantric teacher, which is still so potent and relevant today. Um, so now, 20 years down the track, um, you know, I've moved more and more into what I love, and that is the history and the philosophy and the deities, which was really what I was introduced to very early on, all the Hindu gods and goddesses mm-hmm. and their myths and how they're relevant to us today and they're not separate from us but mm-hmm. actually aspects of us. Yeah. And that fascinates me to be able to translate those tales, mm. quite complex and really detailed mythological tales into mm. present day. Um, so really that's ultimately what's brought me to, to this place. And I'm so yeah. excited about the Dance of the Days because it's yeah. combining, you know, the things that I love in my history. Mm, great. Well, like an amazing, amazing, um, you know, life experience that you've had whilst I'm sure... You know, it obviously hasn't been without its challenges. No. Um, but in terms of, you know, the the growth that you've experienced and, you know, the, the changes that have happened, it's, you know, incredible. Um, tell me a little bit more in terms of kind of like those tougher times. Mm. So the times that maybe have been quite pinnacle in terms of like changing and shifting things for you, but also in terms of, um, you know, you spoke about kind of waking up. Mm. What what was kind of going through your head, or mm. you know, what did you kind of really experience mm. then? <laughs> not, not much was really going through my head at the time, mm. except for you know what really I was um, getting out of that experience. And I think that my soul was calling me towards service; it was calling me towards helping others. But I really couldn't do that until I was able to help myself. Mm. And certainly, going through, I think there's any. Uh, Having trained teachers since 2003, I've seen a lot of uh, yoga teacher trainees go through and then seeing them um, become yoga teachers. And I think depending on what your path is will really govern the type of teacher that you will become and the type of students that will be drawn to you. Mm. And I think what inevitably has happened is because what drew me to yoga has been a healing path. Um, and that's just not physically physical healing but mental healing mental health issues and Mm. emotional issues and then also spiritual healing I think that they're the type of students that I tend to draw and I think I've seen other yoga practitioners and teachers or or trainees that go through to become teachers Mm. and they draw a particular type of student to them that will resonate with their particular part yeah yeah Mm, so interesting isn't it yeah Mm. so i think you know one of the things that uh i I suppose the big i can absolutely with great conviction say that the greatest challenges that i have had Mm. have been my greatest teachers Mm. and um tantra yoga in particular because it's so inclusive um it doesn't negate anything that we've experienced. Nothing in our lives has been wrong mm. or nothing is mm. omitted, but rather it's included. And the darker it is and the more challenging it is, the more, what my teacher would, my tantric teacher would say, that's the fuel. 
that is the fuel for your transformation. So if you can actually work with those dark parts and um, embrace them and transform them, then ultimately that can propel you more deeply into your light and mm. into this um, sense of wholeness. Mm. Yeah. Totally. Um, and we'll get into the um, wholeness um, conversation in, in a moment. Mm. I've got another question on that. Sure. So you said that the, the darkest times have been, you know, the, the biggest shifts, the biggest changes, mm. and, and you see them now from a place of, you know, beauty. Mm. Absolutely. But at the time, it doesn't feel like that, does no. it? <laughs> no. No. No, no, no. no. <laughs> Um, and so when did you kind of have that realisation? Um, I think certainly in the early years, let's say that for the first 10 years of my teaching, I was really going through some pretty challenging mental health issues, mm. a really deep depression and um, really battling a lot of my own demons and, and that was really tough. Mm. And I think I put a mask up and didn't want anybody to see that. And yet behind closed doors, I was miserable. And I, and certainly, you know, being a choreographer and a dancer, I could, you know, put on that mask and come out and, you know, show my best self, but then really struggling behind the Mm. scenes. And it wasn't until probably the past, I would say, five to six years that I've come out more and more and more um, and been able to be more authentic around the challenges that I faced Mm-hmm. and battles that I've had and um, to be able to own those mm. and recognise that those parts are not, they don't define me. They're not the totality of me, but they're parts of me yeah. and they're wounded parts and they all stem from pain, from, um, you know, a lot of abuse and bullying and, um, you know, feelings of unworthiness mm. when I was a child and when I was mm. growing up. I had a really loving family. But inevitably, you know, I had no friends in school until year 12. I was completely bullied every single day. I turned to food and became completely obese when I was very young. And um, I just really... And yet I had so much love to give. And what it did was it, it taught me, because of the feelings I went through and the isolation that I went through and the, the feeling of exclusion and aloneness, I actually... Very early on as a child, thought to myself, I never want anyone else to go through this. I never want anyone else to feel this. Mm-hmm. And so um, now in my teaching and my retreats and classes, I one of the utmost things is to include everyone and to welcome everyone and to um, create a space where we can share our stories and share as much or as little as we want in as much or as little detail as we want, but actually um, recognise that we're not alone Mm. and that we all have, you know, our pains, our struggles. What an incredible gift. What an incredible gift to have had that realisation, even though, of course, it was a really painful time for you, but to have had that realisation, but then be using that realisation to then share and give that to other people and totally. I definitely felt that when I came to your philosophy night nine months ago and <laughs> um, I've been to others since but I remember distinctly the first time I ever came to um anything that you were putting on and um and yeah it was just this sudden burst of welcoming and love and you had maybe 40 50 people there but I really felt seen and noticed and I really noticed that compared to any other kind of training or anything else that I've been to I really felt the love so yeah it's 
it's definitely impacting other people for sure. Thank you so much. Thank <laughs> you. Um, okay, so moving on. So what's for you? Uh-huh. What what makes a whole life? Mm. What it means now is is different from what it meant initially. I think when I first started my my yoga journey, it was um, to unite body, mind, and soul. I think that was very clear, and um, I think that's that's more well known and accepted. Um, certainly, the tantric philosophy allowed me to look at wholeness as merging um, and acknowledging both our masculine and our feminine qualities, irrespective of our gender. Mm. Um, recognize uh, uh, uniting. Also, our humanness with our divinity, mm. whatever yeah. name you might give that. Yeah. But more, really, since I did my transpersonal work, and also it started to bring more and more of my darker aspects closer mm. to me, and integrating them with my light, because there was so much. There was so much, so many joyful, funny, playful, mm. creative aspects of myself mm. Mm. you know and, yeah. I, and I love those parts yeah. but, and, but I really shamed and pushed away mm. the darker more shameful aspects mm. that I just didn't think that I felt I was alone in mm. and I didn't think anyone would love and accept me if they knew about and so I started to bring those closer so for me really wholeness mm. currently is all the things I shared just previously but um, to bring and integrate our light and our shadow together and what for me, that is, is to bring our consciousness and also our unconscious mm. selves, to bring consciousness to our unconscious or undeveloped parts of ourselves and develop them more. Mm. That, for me, is wholeness, is to, to marry those two things together. Yeah, beautiful. Beautifully said, for sure, oh, for you. sure. Um, I, I, I do some coaching as well. Yeah. Um, I'm a wellness life coach and um, yeah, like on my own personal journey and, and coaching with other people, that's exactly what we work on is making some of those um, unconscious beliefs and things like that and bringing them into the light um, so then they can be truly examined but from this place of compassion. Because I think that definitely on my own journey, it's like initially when I started to look at some of those things, mm. I had shame. I had, mm. you know, a lot of, you know, dark feelings towards them. Mm. But the more has, you know, I've brought them closer mm. and the more that I realized that I'm not alone to your point, mm. you know, it's that we all have them and we're all got, you know, our own individual kind of darker places that actually, you know, it's okay. And I can accept them and I can find some love towards them. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, um, and, and yeah, and that feels so good inside. Mm. That concept of compassion really um, was a new concept when it came to looking at my wounded little boy. Mm. And I think that all of us, all of us have a, a, mm. the child within us. And whether we have stories of abandonment or betrayal or trust or wounds or abuse or whatever that is. Mm. What I found, not only with myself, but working with clients Mm. as well, because I'm a transpersonal counsellor and even though I specialise in groups, I do one-on-one a lot. And what I found time and time again is when I had those long bouts of depression, I was really, really frustrated and angry with myself Mm. because my nature usually is quite happy but I was beating myself up I've seen this one woman who's amazing and she she had said to me um 
and you're bringing in a picture of this, you know, your young little boy. So I brought in a photo and she sat me in front of this photo of myself and uh, she said, you know, what do you see? And I said, well, this little boy who's just trying to have, get some love. Mm-hmm. And my dad died when I was very young. He died when I was seven and so my mother grieved for mm-hmm. three years and my sisters were going through their own things. And um, she said, you know, you, what I see, Andrew, is that you're so kind and compassionate to everybody else, but you're really hard on this kid. Mm. And she said, what would it be like to be kind to him? And it was like a light bulb. It was just this explosion of this concept of being kind to myself. But that was pivotal. If you're mm. asking for pivotal, pivotal peak moments yeah. on my journey, that was one mm. that really stands out was to recognise that whenever I was getting depressed, it was simply my child, my little boy, mm. crying for my help to say, please, I'm, I'm hurting here. Yeah. And now that opened up a relationship and a mm. dialogue. And so now whenever I'm, I can have blue days, but mm. certainly they're nowhere near as severe nor as intense or the longevity is nowhere near as, yeah. as long as what um, it used to be. And I'm able to attend to that part and bring that part closer and recognise that I'm still in process mm. of healing those wounds. Mm. And the longer you've had them, yeah. like we're talking, you know, when I've been able to access three years old mm. um, wow. of, yeah. of, you know, deep wounds mm. that I now am very compassionate and very kind mm. towards those parts. And I know that I'm not alone. There's... Yeah. In coming out with these, I've seen more and more people who are going through their same things um, in terms of wounds and trauma. And I suppose what I would like to share with you, with the listeners is, is that um, that's usually a good sign mm-hmm. if we can see that as when we're going through anger or anxiety or fear or sadness, that that's a cue, that's a prompt to say, okay, what part of me is not? is needing my care and attention right now. Mm. And in many ways I've had to parent mm. that little boy in my own way. Yeah. Yeah. Even more so this year because my mum passed, mm. bless her soul, at uh, 85 years of age she passed away mm. um, in February. And, and that's been a, a challenging in its own way but also you know, hugely liberating in, in mm. another way. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. Um. And on this inner child, mm. you know, because I've read a lot of books and I listen to quite a few things and people talking about the inner child. And I think that when I first heard people talk about the inner child, I was like, what do you mean inner child? Mm-hmm. I'm an adult. Yeah. You know, <laughs> right. like it was, it was, I was kind of like, how could I have this inner child? I'm an adult, you yes. know? And then the more I delved into it, I then, you know, started to really understand what that truly meant. And so, it doesn't mean that, you know, we're 50, we're 60, we're 70. It doesn't mean that that part of ourselves Correct. becomes adult-like. You know, it's still there and it still needs nurturing. Correct. Yeah. And it's a part of us. us. Yeah. And again, if I'm going to include that with a sense mm. of wholeness, mm. it's incorporating the child with the adult, with then the archetypal parent, whether that be mm. the mother inside me or, and the father inside me and or the mm. father inside you mm. and yeah. mother inside you. Mm. Irrespective of whether you've got a child yeah. in physical form, we, yeah. we have that inner archetype. Mm. And, uh, and they're just three yeah. <laughs> archetypes amongst many different mm. aspects of ourselves. Yeah. Um, 
so getting intimate and uh, having a dialogue and relationship with all those parts of us fascinates me. I love that. Yeah, I, I think that's why the, the, the deities and the gods and goddesses mm. in the Hindu tradition and yoga tradition, you know, and, and the yoga path really fascinate me because they're all aspects, the thousands of mm. aspects of ourselves. Yeah. Amazing, amazing. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, my um, so let's just move on a little bit. Mm. Um, let's talk about tantric yoga. Yeah. So what is, you know, how can you share that with the um, listeners, what tantric yoga is mm-hmm. and how that kind of in particular has helped you along your journey? Tantra itself, I mean, really means, it has two broad meanings. One is to expand consciousness, mm-hmm. tools or instruments to expand consciousness. And the other is to weave or to loom like a tapestry, threads of all that we love in our lives, mm. all that uh, are our passions, mm. um, or that uh, have made us who we are in, in the bigger tapestry, and weave those and continue to weave those so we expand our consciousness even more. Um, the beauty of it is that everything's included. And so therefore, we don't have to shame or blame anything. Mm -hmm. Rather, we ask ourselves one simple question, and that is, is this affirming my life or not? And make choices from that point. Mm. Is this affirming my life or is it destroying it? Mm, Beautiful. And then make a choice. Mm. Now, if you you veer down the old habitual path, which very often Mm. we do, you don't beat yourself up or batter yourself or, you know, tell yourself how wrong and awful you are, but rather see that as a, an opportunity. That's a springboard mm. to actually go, okay, is this affirming my life? Yeah. Or is it destroying it? Mm. And then choose. What do I choose then yep. in the next step? Yeah. That's, that's beautiful. I've heard people say something similar, like, um, is this a helpful thought? You know, yeah. you, is this a helpful thought or is it an unhelpful thought? Right. And it's not a, um, it's not a, an attacking way of looking at anything. It's, you know, it's still a very loving way. Correct. Um, yeah. But it helps you kind of stop before the, yeah, that habitual pattern. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Mm, amazing. Thank you. Yeah, my pleasure. It's one of the things that I love because yeah. otherwise I've seen... I've seen, you know, over the course of the 20 years in yoga, particularly when we take literally the sort of, you know, the very puritanical approach to, to yoga, mm. that it can very often make practitioners feel like they need to split or shame things mm. from their past. Mm. Um, and yet, f- from the tantric perspective... There's no need to do that. It's just, okay, well, that is that is what it is. And yep. it was what it was, but now what? <laughs> what yeah. what mm. do I do with that now? Mm. And in acknowledgement of my past, mm. can I now make a choice here? Is this affirming my life mm. or not? And then start make, make another choice. For sure, for sure. It's moment very, to moment. Yeah. It seems like a very positive, very nurturing, yeah. It's beautiful. beautiful. Yeah. It's beautiful. And, you know, you're, you're, you're honouring the divine within you mm. and what's called the Shiva and the Shakti within mm. you. And what that does is it inevitably will bring a greater, greater level of consciousness. Mm. The outmoded behaviour and the repatterning, the old side of the old patterns, that's unconscious, undeveloped mm. shadow behaviour. And so what... As Jung would put it, Carl Jung, who coined the word shadow, he would say, one of his favourite 
famous quotes is, we do not become enlightened beings by imagining figures of light, but by making the shadow conscious. So when we go into those habitual behaviours or habitual thoughts or negative loops and we kind of get, you know, dragged back Mm. into Mm -hmm. the past with those and into a whole negative spiral, the best thing you can do is just bring consciousness to it and then choose, all right, what am I going to do with that now? Yeah, totally. Let me make a different choice. Mm. Great. Still to this day, Mm. it happens you know, and and I, I love, that's the thing I love is because I can push through that mm. and make another choice. Mm. Totally, totally. So do you find then having done the training that you've done and having the experiences you've done mm. when those, you know, old thoughts or old mm, beliefs or whatever they mm-hmm. pop up, yes. that you're much better able to then use these kind of these questions mm-hmm. to kind of stop you in your tracks and then you can then choose a different way versus the old kind of previous way of Correct. kind of going down the spiral. Correct. Yeah. 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 Definitely, and so you know, I I I've learned not to not to do that alone anymore. I have really great friends who yeah. I can turn to when I'm yeah. going through those times, yeah. and particularly this year's been pretty tough because mm. of the the grief around my mother's death, and that was you know pretty hardcore. Um, but so also so liberating because particularly the child archetype mm. comes up suddenly, you know, when both your parents have passed. Mm. Um, there's, it was it was such an unexpected aspect of, of my my childhood that came up that I didn't really anticipate. Mm. Um, but what I love is is that I not only have uh, really great people around me, but I also can connect with with source. Mm. I can connect with these gods and goddesses, yes. and yeah. hence why I'm loving the dance of the deities. I'm loving mm. the philosophy classes, yeah. and also doing a prayer <laughs> yeah. every day that connects mm. with the yeah. highest part within me. Totally, totally. Beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and so let's just kind of move on a little bit and let's talk about the gods and the goddesses. Yes. So let's let's go there because yes. I know that it's, you know, it's such a passion of yours and you really, truly bring them to life. Yeah. When I went to your philosophy night, you, I was there with you, with them, <laughs> but then you were also able to kind of bring them into a place where they're not only a really interesting story, but then how does it relate to us now yeah you know and i think that's an incredible talent and and now with your dance of the deities where you're combining the dance with the stories with the philosophy all of this is just incredible so tell me why why do you love them so much <laughs> i know we've touched a little bit about yeah. them um and um you know is there any sort of story that you can kind of bring to life mm. and share with the uh the audience mm-hmm. today i love them because they show the the, the various multifaceted sides of of us as human beings um and you know i know that there's many sides to me and um there's many sides to all of us and and they're divine and all of the gods and goddesses are flawed mm. which also reflects our the perfection and the beauty in our in our mm. flawed nature as well and in our broken parts i mean if you look at um deities like for example ganesha he has a broken tusk and he's also got an elephant head, which is um, created through um, his father's burst of anger and chopping his head off and then trying to make good, um, which is a really, you know, it's, it reminds us of those 
times when we have bursts of anger or we have those times where we do things that we are perhaps regretful for but we want to sincerely make amends and be forgiven and uh, Ganesha is a reminder of that Hanuman is another one who has a broken jaw uh, you know there's a, a, all of the deities um, have these flaws and yet they are so committed to love to light to truth and their commitment um, enduring through those struggles is a reflection of what we go through mm. yeah. we're mm. all um, broken and divine we're all childlike and yet wise sages as well mm-hmm. and when we can see it from the, that perspective and that nothing is a mistake um, then uh, we can see a greater level of meaning if we can set our sights on ultimately what each one of these deities is committed to which is our greatest love mm-hmm. our deepest love our highest truth and our light consciousness all of them pretty much mm. are committed to that yeah if i was going to contextualize it to for um for those that have never really had exposure to myths um the hindu myths i liken it to when we're growing up as children and we're learn we're learning nursery rhymes or fables and you know snow white and seven dwarves or sleeping beauty goldilocks and the three pairs and we're, we're brought up as children to learn um, life lessons mm-hmm. that usually that good prevails over evil, that love conquers all, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, to find the middle way, not too hot, not yeah. too cold, just right. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the a lot of the the myths um, are teaching these lessons. Um, to share one that, that really I, I've worked with a lot is is Ma Kali, Kali Ma, uh, Goddess Kali. She's the fierce protectress. She's the fierce mother, love. And yet she is outwardly looking so dark and ferocious um, and has skulls around her neck and, you know, she's dancing on a dead Shiva. <laughs> and um, she looks and she's got a chopped head, which is you know, the chopping the head of um, ego and attachment and our darkest demons that's what she's committed to Mm. so um what i love about her is is that even though she outwardly looks ferocious she is the deepest love was one of the Mm. core teachings in my early um tantric teaching first one was shiva is everywhere wake up (laughs) that was my first which was Mm. consciousness is everywhere wake up and um kali is pure love do not fear her So in short, what I love about Kali is is that it said when we can look deeply into the eyes of Kali, in other words, deeply into the eyes of our own darkness, Mm. our own shadow, and the parts that we deem ugly or unsightly or unacceptable, Mm. that when we can look deeply into those, she will transform those into great beauty, love and light, and therefore we can become whole again. Amazing. I think she came and visited me in my dream a little while ago. Really? <laughs> yeah. I had a message. It was, uh, I think I mentioned this a little while ago. Um, but uh, yeah, it was that point, you know, when you're like half awake, half asleep, yes, just yes, early yes. in the morning. Yeah. And the message was, Claire, if you don't love the parts that you've rejected. Yeah. And you don't love the parts that are good. So, you know, if you don't love all parts of yourself 
then life's not going to flow. And it was just a message, and I just woke up, and I was just like, whoa. (laughs) And it was literally saying to me, love all of you. Bang. Yeah. Carly's so clear. It was was really crystal clear. Yeah. Mm. Really, really. It was an amazing, yeah. Amazing. Mm. Mm. Very cool. Yeah. Cool. Um, And, you know, I've heard a lot of people talking about how Mm, the the present time is this Kali Yuga. Mm-hmm. Can you kind of explain a little bit more how that kind of relates to mm. the goddess? It's a time where we're when we are waking up. Yeah. And Kali is not. She cuts to the chase, and mm. she cuts to the quickest possible way that we can come to truth. Mm. And um, this is a time when we are on a precipice, really, mm. where we can go into destroying mm. the planet. Yeah. And humanity, or we can rise from that and mm. actually create love, mm. light and truth, which are the yeah. three things she's committed to. Mm. Um, so it's a time when we're being called to fiercely wake up and to love each other. Mm. Like fierce love, hard yeah. love. Yeah. That's yeah. the Kali love. It's just love each other. Yeah, totally. And... You know, because I've heard a lot of people talking about, you know, obviously there's a lot of stuff going on in the world, whether it's, um, you know, political, whether it's, um, you know, natural disaster stuff that's going on as well. Um, Do you believe that it's also part of it? Yeah, totally. Yeah, Yeah, it's much bigger. When we're talking about the Kali Yuga, we're talking about an age where um, we're being faced with the the greatest darkness and atrocities mm. um, that human nature and uh, can can experience and endure. And we're not just talking about in this, you know, century. We're talking about an era or an age, yeah. right? So we're talking centuries. Yeah. Um, and that's going to um, ultimately uh, destroy us or create something that, from the Kali perspective, is... is Love, pure love, mm. fierce love. Mm. Mm. Which is pretty exciting. Oh, it is, it is. To, to have that transformation. It is. Mm. But it looks ferocious, it looks dark, yeah. it looks fearful, it looks abominable. And mm. yet if we can look deeply into that and actually know that grace is holding us and that mm. love is there, even mm. in those dark times, it's a whole different lens. It's just shifting the consciousness yeah. um, in this era so that we wake up. Yeah. Yeah, and something has to be shaken up for that to happen. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, Awesome. Well, before we kind of start to close, Mm -hmm. um, I want to talk about, um, you know, what's going on for you. So, (laughs) because uh, we were talking before this podcast and Andrew is travelling for seven months um, (laughs) next year. So he's not going to be in Australia so much because he's got so many exciting things coming up. So can you just tell the listeners sort of what's going on for you um, over the next sort of like, you know, six months to a year? Sure. Uh, Look, I'm travelling back and forth. So I'll I'll, I'll still be in in Australia. Uh, I suppose the most exciting thing that I, the most unexpected and exciting thing that's come up um, from July this year uh, is the Dance of the Deities. I, I've been teaching um, teachers since 2003 and I've had a really the blessing of now being a part of teacher training organisations around the world who have invited me to teach history, philosophy, mythology, the energetics, Bhagavad Gita, etc. Um, but I was in Bali recently um, 
teaching level two teacher trainings for Les Leventhal's training. And um, we were, I was teaching them um, the philosophy on Shiva. And uh, of course, at, at three o'clock, 3 p.m., the students started to get this slump. So I thought, oh, I'll teach it to you in movement. And um, was teaching them the five divine acts of Lord Shiva. And all of a sudden, one of the girls said, I, Andrew, what are the counts? And this choreographer voice came out of me saying, five, six, seven, and a one, two, three, four. <laughs> and suddenly this part that I thought I had laid to rest 20 years ago as a choreographer has come surging out again. And then I finished the training and I was meditating and I got this full download in meditation in Bali, dance of the deities, dance of the deities. And so currently it's a workshop of two and a half hours. Uh, it's 20 minutes to 30 minutes of the philosophy of that particular deity. For example, when if we were looking at the fierce love dance of Kali, it would be 30 minutes of philosophy, mm-hmm. about 35 minutes of asana. Then I've choreographed a piece and I teach it very patiently and slowly in blocks of eight. <laughs> so we learn the entire dance, then we run the dance, mm. and then relaxation um, and integration and take home. So that has been really... I did a five-week series, and now it's um, gained so much interest mm. that next year I'm travelling to uh, about six different countries and uh, many studios, six studios in Melbourne and... Two in Sydney and two in Gold Coast, two in Brisbane. Wow, so it's yeah. really blown up. Yeah, it's blown, yeah. it's gone crazy, which is amazing and mm. it's actually very humbling and um, exciting and it's sparked something in me that I mm. did not, um, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd had a, the, the good fortune of, of choreographing Tina Turner's World Tour in, in 1996, that was the peak of my career, and now to have, I, I haven't been this excited since those years of, of dancing. So I'm re- really, really thrilled. Um, so there's one coming up this Saturday, 2nd and 3rd of December. It's the Dance of the Deities in, at the Yoga Tree from 12 till 2.30. So in Melbourne? In Melbourne, yeah, yep, in Elstonwick. Um, next year, we've got a whole series of them. So um, best, thing to, best way to keep in contact mm-hmm. with regards to those is to go on to my Instagram page, Divine Grace Yoga, um, you can hashtag Dance of the Deities and then it'll show you all of the upcoming events as well as previous events and also videos and footage of the dancers if you want to have a look at that. Great. And just on that, yeah. do people need to have dance experience? No, 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 no. Good point. <laughs> no dance experience necessary. And so, you know, that's the beauty is, is that it's bringing... The thing that's excited me the most is that it was something that has lit me up and so therefore it translates across, but I didn't expect the impact that that would have on the participants and what it brings so much joy and so much and parts that have laid dormant within themselves, particularly with the Kali dance. It was, you know, bringing up undeveloped shadow aspects that then have now come to the surface and there's been an enormous amount of healing mm-hmm. in all of the classes, um, enormous amount of joy, um, beauty, mm. like really strong, fierce yeah. energy, um, which can only, you know, you can only get it through the experience. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I would really invite uh, those of you who are interested in coming yeah. along and come along this Saturday and Sunday. Great. Um, next year there's um, 
we're doing studios in West Side Yoga. Uh, we're going to be doing the Dance of the Deities there. Um, also in Queensland, in Brisbane, Gold Coast, Bali, Finland, Vienna, um, Switzerland. It's, it's gone amazing. amazing. Yeah, um, I'm also running some retreats next year, which um, I, I love. What, again, merging my two... Two of my loves, which are also um, Tantra and Ayurveda. Mm-hmm. And I'm co-facilitating with a, an Ayurveda specialist called Michael Joseph. That's in Amsterdam next year in May, 9th to the 16th of May. Um, I'm running a music and opera tour through Italy mm-hmm. with another wonderful um, healing sound performer called Tanya de Jong. And uh, that goes from the 6th to the 22nd of September. And also the Dance of the Deities uh, yoga retreat in Bali from the 10th to the 16th of June mm-hmm. next year. So it's really exciting. Amazing, amazing. <laughs> and then you've got something happening in September as well. That's the Italy oh, that's one. The, that's the Italy oh, that's tour. that's the Italy one, right. Yeah, and I've also got philosophy classes. The last mm. two philosophy classes for this year will be the Down and Breathing Space in Paran, and mm-hmm. we're doing the Joys of Radhakrishna this Friday from 7 till 9, um, 217 Chapel Street in Paran. And also on the 15th, we're doing um, Conquering Darkness through the Goddess Durga philosophy class on the 15th of December. Oh, great. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) So many things. You are just like incredible, the amount of knowledge that you have combined with the passion and, you know, your creativity, but also bringing in your own personal sort of, you know, learnings and all of that and bringing it with a whole lot of love. It's just a beautiful thing to, to see, witness and experience with you. Thank you. Um, so in terms of where people can find you, Divine yeah. Grace Yoga. Yeah, they, can, they can go onto the Instagram. website, Divine, yeah. uh, Divine Grace Yoga. Sorry, sorry, the webpage is divinegrace.com.au. Okay. The Instagram is mm-hmm. Divine Grace Yoga. Yep. Um, for the Dance of the Deities, you can hashtag Dance of the Deities and then I'll mm-hmm. show all of the videos as I said earlier. Um, and on my Facebook page, you can um, find me on Andrew Morneas um, or uh, my Divine Grace Great. Um, Facebook page as well. And awesome. I post up there pretty frequently. So Great. So check that out if that sounds like something that's interesting to you. Um, Andrew, thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you. I've loved this conversation. We're (laughs) sitting down in in my living room. We're sitting on the the ground, (laughs) um, hanging out, and it's been a really, really lovely chat. Thank you so much. All the best. And that's the end of another episode. I do hope you enjoyed it and gained some new insights. You can find more info about the show and my guests by visiting my website, claire-bradshaw.com, or subscribe to iTunes to ensure you don't miss an episode. And if you're enjoying the show, please give it a rating on iTunes, as this makes a huge difference in sharing the podcast and its content with more people. My dream is to create a happier, healthier, more wholesome world. And I truly believe that it starts with ourselves. So thank you for listening and have a beautiful day.